we're already in June, right? Uh, back a month ago, I was in Yellowstone National Park. So month of May, I had a few weeks of holidays here and there and stuff like that. So middle of May, I escaped off to Yellowstone. My wife Amy and their family and friends, they all went in for my birthday back in January, January 4th, if you want to write that day down. It's a national holiday in my household. Um, they gave me this amazing gift of going to Yellowstone National Park. All right, they provided this uh, plane ticket for me to go. I was just like, this can't be serious, but they were serious. So I was like, all right, come on. So I've been planning that trip for like 110 days. I'm a very much like my work calendar, and I like to write in those kind of things, you know? So I counted all the days. I was at 110 days. I'm like, man, that's a long ways away. But sure enough, it got closer and closer, right? So May finally came around. Got to go to Yellowstone National Park. Has anybody ever been to Yellowstone National Park? We got like a couple of people. Good. It is like wildlife galore there. It's beautiful. It's got mountains. But again, like the wildlife is unreal. So if you like wildlife and nature, it definitely should be on your hot spot. So just a couple of quick stories of what stood out to me, because I know you guys are all really, really interested in that, is that... The first day getting there, like we're driving around, and you'll see wildlife everywhere you go, right? And we get out of our car, and there's a herd of, of buffalo. I'm going to call them bison because bison sounds a lot cooler than buffalo. Um, but there's like 40 of them, like right by the river, just like sitting there. I'm like, I actually called Amy at the time because like just to let her know I was safe. And um, I was just like, Amy, like we're like hunting down these bison right now. There's like 40 of them there. Like we were so excited. We just got into the park. We're tracking them. It's amazing. I'm like, this is going to be the best trip ever. And it's like, okay, I got to go. You know, I'm, I'm in the States here. I better hang on my phone before I get this like $1,000 phone bill. And so anyways, it was awesome. Got back in the car 30 seconds down the road. There's another herd of bison, like another like 20 or 30 of them. And I was just like, wow, man, like this is crazy. This is like Holy Spirit trip happening here. And then next thing you know, 30 seconds down the road again, there's another couple of bison. 30 seconds down the road, there's another couple of bison. I'm like, I'm thinking there's a lot of bison in this park. <laughs> and next thing you know, like everywhere you go, there's bison, buffalo, like every single place you go in Yellowstone, there is maybe not like a big herd of them, but they're around. So my joy from up here kind of got diminished a little bit because what I thought was this like most amazing experience was not quite as like supernatural as I thought it was. Um, but anyways, that was like one of the things. The other thing was on day two, when you're driving around in Yellowstone, you'll see lots of cars like parked looking at things, right? So you know when you see, I'm going to call them a herd of cars, when you see a herd of cars all parked in one spot, you know there's something cool coming up, right? So your anticipation goes up. It goes through the roof, you know, and you're excited. And so we parked the car, and you couldn't see because whatever it was was on the top of this hill. You had to climb up this little hill. And so four of us, we get out of the car, we climb up over the hill, and next thing you know, there's these two grizzly bears less than 100 yards away. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, that's not safe for me, you know? I'm not that fast of a runner. And so for me, safety Adam here, I retreated a little bit. Thank you. I like that word. I retreated a little bit. I went back down, kind of got around. Like, so I had a little bit more distance. I could still see them clearly with my eyes. Uh, but one of my friends, oh, he was getting yelled at by people way back. My brother-in-law, I was going to use his name, but my brother-in-law got yelled at a few times for uh, being a little bit too close to the wildlife there. 
Um, so that was my second amazing experience. Was seeing grizzly bear that close was just like, wow. And then my third one was we were hiking up this mountain and it was raining. It was just like really kind of an awful day, but we had to do it because you only have so many days, right? And there's only so many hours in a day. So it's just like, well, we're going to do this. We're going to be soaked, but it's going to be good. So it's like for a five mile and I'm Canadian, so I don't understand miles very well, but it was a really, really long hike. And Yellowstone, the elevation's quite high too. So there's still like, there's still quite a bit of snow there. And when you're hiking through those trails, it's like three feet of snow in some spots. And I'm not 140 pounds. You know, I'm 200 plus pounds, right? So for me, when I put my foot into a pile of snow, I am going to fall right through it. And I did that several times. But I'm the Canadian, and I'm with three Americans, and I need to be that tough Canadian. I can handle the snow I can't let this like little bit of snow pile tear me down, right? I can't let my American friends know this, right? So I had to toughen it up. But anyways, we get to the top. There's this amazing lookout. I have a thing for heights. I hate heights. You guys can all pray for me that God just like heals me of this fear of heights. But anyways, we get up there. It's still raining. It's still pouring. You're on this like little rock edge. I'm like, man, this is just not safe. I feel like so out of my comfort zone right now. You could say my courage was pretty low. And so I'm like, guys, I've seen it. It's a beautiful. I'm going to start going back down a bit, right? And they're like, oh, yeah, it's fine. So I start going back down. And all of a sudden, I look in the snow, and there's like, honestly, like there's this huge bear print in the snow. And I'm like, I hope that was there when I went up. I don't remember seeing it, but like, that had to be there, right? It had to be there already. And so I stopped. My heart rate's going, going, going. I look to my left, and there's this beautiful um, pine tree there, right? And I see these ears sticking out underneath this pine tree. And thankfully, I knew right away that it wasn't a bear because the ears were too big. But I'm like, I think that's a moose. And I've heard too many scary stories about moose and grizzly bears. And my, my poor heart, you know, was just going through the roof. And so, and I'm by myself. And I'm like, okay, this isn't good, you know? So anyways, I see the moose. And the rain's like kind of covering my sounds, which was nice. But all of a sudden, it's like, I can either go up again or I got to go back down. Well, I'm not going to leave my friends by themselves because I'm a really good Christian guy, right? So I go back up and get my friends. And the one guy starts coming down. I'm like, okay, you got to be really quiet here. I'm pretty sure, like, there's a moose right under that, that tree. And so we are like, we're spies, you know. We go into game mode. We go in, like, somebody's filming us mode. And we get down nice and low. And we start, like, looking. And it's like, right there. And so he sees it, right? He gets all excited. Where, like, our other friends start coming down, my brother in law and his friends come down, and they're talking so loud. I'm like, guys, you gotta be quiet. Like, I'm trying to, like, sing along, like, you know, just be quiet, right? And then all of a sudden, so they get all like, what is it? You know, they think it's a bear, right? But, anyways, they see that it's a moose as well. And we all have this healthy fear of moose, I think, anyways. And so, my brother in law, again, being the very confident, full of courage one, has to, he loves his camera too. He has to get nice and close to it, you know? And so this moose, I'm like checking out the situation. I'm like, this moose really doesn't have anywhere it can really go to quickly. It's under this tree. In order for it to come back to where I am, like it would have to do like this full circle around. It's going to take it a little bit. It technically can't go that way because it's off the edge. So it's got to climb over top of the snow bank and out. So I'm like, okay, we have, we have some distance here, right? So my brother-in-law anyways, though, again, he gets right in there. He gets these absolutely incredible pictures of it. 
but I was just like, I just didn't know if I was going to survive the trip. But anyways, this moose gets up, and when, it's, when she stands up, I was just like, so beautiful. Like, you can just see the muscles in it and everything like that. And I'm here today to say that we were all safe, and we made it back safely. Uh, and my brother-in-law got some nice pictures. So I remind him every day, whenever I see an incident happen in Yellowstone, somebody gets injured by a wild animal, I always Facebook message that to him. So he realizes how fortunate he was to be able to, to talk about it still, you know? So those are a few of my fun experiences in Yellowstone. Has to do with courage, though, you know? A lot of those times, it took courage in order for me to get to point A to point B. And I'm not recommending watching the Reverent movie or anything like that, but I happened to see that clip where there was this crazy bear attack and it was probably the worst thing that I could have seen before going to Yellowstone because you're into the woods and that's all that's going through my poor mind is that scene, right? Um, so anyways, there's a lot of times when I'm walking, I'm just like, I'm praying. I'm like, God, like this could be a bear anywhere, you know? And I'm just like, I can't be a wimp, you know? I'm the biggest one out of the bunch. And I'm like, who's standing close enough to me that I could trip so I could run away faster than they could? <laughs> no, I, I, well, honestly, I did think that. But honestly, I would never do that. Uh, but just to be totally real with you guys, I would be lying to say it didn't go through my mind. Um, but I am a pastor, right? So I am, uh, you know. Now, anyways. John Wayne's got, and I, I got a pretty good-sized foot, right? So they, they would trip. Uh, but anyways, John Wayne has this awesome quote. It says, courage is being scared to death, but saddling up anyways. And I think a lot of times, you know, we associate not having any courage because we're fearful, right? But being courageous doesn't mean we don't have any fear. And that's a good word right there. You know, I think in our society, we just... I know for myself, I'm speaking about myself anyways, that you know, so many times in my past I've been so fearful to, to move forward on something or to do something, and I really beat myself up because I'm like, Adam, you're, you know, you're, you're a wimp, right? You're too scared all the time. You're too fearful. You don't have enough courage, right? And it's such a lie from the enemy. It's just, it holds us back, right? So I'm gonna, we're going to look at uh, 1 Samuel 14 today. Um, I think it's, it's a book in the Bible where we don't really associate, or at least I never really heard it as being one of those stories in the Bible that was known for courage. Because uh, again, when I think of people in the Bible for courage, there's obviously so many of them, but David obviously always pops up to my brain right away. Um, so I'm saving David for next week. But this morning I wanted to talk about Jonathan and his armor bearer in chapter 14. So I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit. We're going to read some of it as well. But basically, we're going to pick it up in verse 6. But before that point, basically, Saul has his army. There's about 600 people in his army uh, with Jonathan and the armor bearer. They're surrounded by Philistines, okay? Surrounded. They don't know what's going on. And Jonathan tells his armor bearer, like, let's go attack one of their outposts. And... The armor bearer is like, well, whatever you think is best. I'm with you 100%. Okay, so in verse 6, it says, Let's go across to the outpost of those pagans. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Perhaps the Lord will help us. 
for nothing can hinder the Lord. He will win a battle whether he has many warriors or only a few. I'm just going to repeat that last part again. Nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle whether he has many warriors or only a few. And it's, it's a sermon right there, right? That's not where I'm going to spend my time on this morning, but it's such an encouraging word, right? And when we're lacking courage, it's one of those verses where you can just dig into your pocket, bring it in on that trusty cell phone that you have, and start declaring it over yourself, right? That we limit God so much because of our fears, right? God can only do so much because ourselves, I know, again, I'm speaking about me, is I'm, I limit myself so much because I'm like, well, I'm supposed to have fish with me right now, but I forgot it this morning. But, you know, if I have two fish and five loaves of bread, I'd be like, yeah, I could maybe feed five, ten people with that, right? But when God sees, he's like, I can feed 5,000 plus people, right? God isn't limited to what our minds can handle, right? Adam, yes, Adam thinks two fish, five loaves of bread, 20 people tops if you're, if you're you know, being really stingy on the fish, right? unless you caught this monster fish, maybe. But again, when God sees it, he doesn't see those limits that we do. And in the word, it says we need to renew our mind, right? And so that's something I pray is just that God would renew my mind, that I would take those limitations off him so we can see him start moving supernaturally in our lives. Okay? All right, we're going to keep reading here. Verse 7. And this is where uh, the armor bearer says, uh, do what you think is best. So do what you think is best, the armor bearer replied. I am with you completely, whatever you decide. Verse 8, all right, then Jonathan told him, we will cross over and let them see us. So let them see us. So they're not going in as spies, really, right? They're going to go in like, hey, guys, how are you doing, Philistines? I'm Jonathan, right? I'm right here, you know? So... This is Jonathan's plan. Sounds good, right? Sounds like a good plan. Sounds like something I would come up with maybe. But if they say, come up, or sorry, I I skipped a few spots. If they say to us, stay where you are or we will kill you, then we will stop, okay? But if they say, come on up and fight, then we will go up. That will be the Lord's sign that he is with us to help us defeat them. So if they tell us to come on up, then we know that's a sign from God that he is going to help us defeat them. Come on. So verse 11. He's crazy, isn't he? You know, this is more than just a story we read, right? This is like actually happens. So verse 11, when the Philistines saw them coming, they shouted, look, the Hebrews are calling out of their holes. Then the men from the outpost shouted to Jonathan, come on up here and we will teach you a lesson. Come on right right behind me, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, for the Lord will help us defeat him. So the Philistines see them coming. Come on up. We'll teach you a lesson, right? And they probably have other Philistine people in the back snickering like, yeah, right, like they're going to come up here. There's how many of us and there's only two of them. Right? I could just picture that, these guys snickering up there. Like, there's no way Jonathan and his armor bearer are that stupid to, to do that, you know? So verse 13, so they climbed up using both hands and their feet. So it's not like they're just walking up this little hill, right? 
they're, they're having to climb. They're having to use their hands and feet climbing up this kind of cliff face. And if you've ever seen, um, what is it called, Man Tracker, you know, Man Trackers, he's this, he's this, it's a TV show. I don't know if it's still on. I've seen a few episodes. But it's basically this guy trying to track people in the woods, right? It's, it's just a game. And, but he's always trying to get the high ground, right? So you want to get the high ground in order so you can see what's going on around you. You have a better chance of coming down on them faster, right? So Jonathan, not only is this like two of them, and like, yeah, we'll climb up there. We'll, we'll come up. God's going to save us. But they also have the better ground, right? It's not like they're having to climb up to Jonathan, and Jonathan can just kind of step on their hands as they're getting their, their hands over top of the, the cliff, right? They're having to do the hard work and climbing up this, this hilltop. And we don't know in the text, like, you know, if they're halfway up and it's just like the armor bearer is saying to Jonathan, what are you thinking? Like, this is crazy, right? We don't know that, right? Maybe they were dealing with doubt um, from the text, though. Like, you wouldn't think that, right? Thinking that, like, they're so full of courage that they're going for, right? That they know that God's going to come through for them. Um, but what you do know is what obviously happens next here is that... Uh, find out where I am again. So they climbed up using both hands and feet, and the Philistines fell over before Jonathan and his armor bearer. They killed some 20 men in all, and their bodies all scattered all over half an acre, right? Suddenly, panic broke out in the Philistine army, both in the camp and in the fields, uh, including even the outposts and raiding parties. And just then, an earthquake struck, and everyone was terrified. Um, what you do know is that when Jonathan and the armor bearer got up to the top of that hill, they were filled with hope. Supernaturally, this army falls down, right? So if they were dealing with any doubts, in that instant, they would have been gone, right? In that instant, their hearts were filled with hope because God is obviously supernaturally coming through for them. So earthquake happens Shaking's happening, there's chaos happening in the Philistine camps, right? They're outposts, there's all this crazy stuff happening. They don't know what's going on. And you continue reading in verse 21 and 22, it says that the Hebrew men who were drafted into the Philistine army ripped off their Philistine army clothes and joined their people. They started fighting for their people against the Philistines, right? But they've been drafted into the Philistine army, right? And then in verse 22, it says, the Israelites who were in hiding came out of hiding and joined their people and started fighting with the Israelites. And it happens all because of the supernatural courage from Jonathan and his armor bearer. So when we move in a courageous action, right, when we move in being courageous, it raises up the courage in other people. So, the beautiful thing, another beautiful thing with the story is that these people didn't see those things happen, right? They didn't see Jonathan and his armor bearer leave. They don't know the whole story, right? But they hear about it, right? So even when you're being courageous in our own neighborhoods, right? Obviously, you never know who's watching, but there's people hear about those courageous things, and that can unlock courage in other people, and I think to myself, the power of testimonies and a struggle for me, to be totally honest, is always doing prophetic evangelism or doing evangelism, right? That's not one of my strong suits. I'm just like, God, I, I, you know, I have a heart for these people, but like, 
God, I lack the courage to go out there sometimes, right? That was a big struggle for me in the past. And so we would do prophetic evangelism in Toronto and stuff like that. And man, it was a constant battle for me to like, Adam, you can do this, you know? But anyways, we, we went out one time into Yorkdale Mall, I think it is. So it's a, oh, Eden Center, thank you. And it's a massive, massive mall, right? But we spent time earlier in the day praying about it. Like, God, give us pictures, words that we can share with people, right? Highlight people to us. You know, kind of do like a treasure hunt if you've heard of those. And so later on that day when we went, I was just like, all right, God, I got a few things here. You know, do your thing, right? Because this is just me. Uh, so anyways, later on, I had, a, I had a really cool experience. I'll talk about it later. But later on that night, we were getting closer to the end of the night. I'm walking around with one of the guys with me. And we're like, well, let's just do one more loop, and then we'll, we'll go, we'll drive back. And so anyways, we're doing our last loop. And God gave me this picture earlier on about a guy. He was dark skin, dark clothes, long gold chain. But that's all I get. I didn't get a word for him at the time. And so sure enough, we're walking through the mall and there's this guy, dark skin, black clothes, long gold chain. I'm like, oh my goodness, he's not by himself. He's with four other guys. And I'm like, seriously, this, is, this, can't, be, this can't be real. And so I'm like, all right, come on, let's do this, you know. And I work up the courage, and my friend and I, we go over, and you know, I just say hi and kind of break the ice with them a little bit. And they were like, oh, we're actually doing a, a survey ourselves tonight. And I was like, okay. And so we're like, can we ask you our question first? And you can tell us whatever you want to tell us. And I was like, yeah, definitely. And so their survey was on what people thought of one night stands. And I was just like, God, you are too funny. You know, talking about opening up a door, right? And so as all of a sudden, it was just like, oh, that was a lot easier for me because they totally opened a door. I was like, yeah, this is what I think of that. Um, and they kind of laugh at me, right? And so then anyways, after I shared my two cents on what I thought of One Night Stands, um, I was just like, well, for you, the guy with the gold chain, I was just like, I started prophesying over him. And you could tell that he was being touched by the words, right? You could tell God was touching him. You could see his friends looking at him like, this is crazy, right? And, you know, he acted all tough, and they, they went away, which was fine, and nothing, you know, bigger came that night. I don't know, but afterwards, I pray that something, you know, did, right? But it was this amazing encounter that I had that really encouraged me. And that night, after we all done our prophetic evangelism, we go back to the school. We all meet up together in the main auditorium area, and we all share stories, right? The good, the bad. Some people had really cool experiences. Other people you know, wasn't so great, right? But the beautiful thing that when we all share our testimonies together, it really raised the faith level in the room, right? It really brought up everybody's encouragement. It really made everybody feel more courage to be able to do it again. Because they're hearing about these amazing God stories. They're hearing about people getting healed in the mall, right? Or, you know, God gave me this picture for somebody, and this person was in the mall, and you gave it, and it was right on, Right? and encourages us. Uh, even like we think of in this church, uh, Ethan, right, being healed. And that circulates around, right? And the cool thing is we know Pat and Kathy, and you know the miracle that happens, right? But, you, you know, being part of Catch the Fire, we share that with the other churches all around the world. And it's a testimony that goes all around the world. It's not just a testimony in that family, not just in our community here, but it filters all throughout the world. And people are encouraged of that miracle. 
right? And we don't know the outcome that it has in other people's lives, right? We don't know what that unlocks in other people's lives, but definitely you do know 100% that it encourages people. And thinking of the Toronto revival even, right? You know, I met so many people that flew across the world to come to Toronto when the revival was happening. I met so many people that drove hours and hours and hours. Bill Johnson, Randy Clark, those guys drove hours and hours to come to Toronto because they heard of what God was doing, right? They didn't actually see it with their eyes before that time, but they heard about it, right? And that's how many hundreds of kilometers or miles away, okay? So the power of our testimonies are a huge thing for us. Um, when the word gets out, when those testimonies get out, being courageous has this abdominal effect on people, right? We all know what dominoes are. You knock one over, the whole thing comes crashing down, right? And being courageous does that as well. When you're courageous, it has a dominal effect on other people around you. It stirs up that courageous spirit in other people. Uh, so we're going to read uh, Acts 4.13. So 4.13 to 20 here. I'll read it out to you guys. So it says, The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. But since they could see the men who had been healed standing right there among them, there was nothing the council could say. So they ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber and confirmed amongst themselves. Verse 16. What should we do with these men? They asked each other. We can't deny that they, that they performed a miraculous sign, and everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. But to keep them from spreading this, their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. There's obviously countless stories of, you know, people giving up their own lives for how much they love God, right? And it's just, no matter what, you know, they're like, we're going to praise his name. We're going to share these testimonies of everything God's done. And I think one of the important things is when we share a testimony, right, when you have a testimony that happens in your life, you have something powerful that happens in your life, is that we don't make it sound any crazier than it is, Right? We don't need to say that this happened, this happened when it didn't happen, right? But on the other hand, too, is you don't want to bring the miracle down either, right? For people, you're like, I don't know how these people are going to handle this. I don't know if they're going to believe me. If it happens, we share it, right? And we give the glory to God. So courage is this dramatic force as believers. It's this gift as believers that we have. And I saw this earlier, too, is that... Um, Pilate says, don't you know I have the power to set you free? And Jesus looks at him and says, you have no power over me. So courage is this thing that helps us keep us on track, right? 
we have these speed bumps that we're going to hit on the road, right? We're going to have these things that are going to get really hard all of a sudden. And all of a sudden, when we lack that courage, sometimes it's easy to start going this way. Instead of like, yep, I can see it. Jesus could see the cross, right? He's just like, I know what I got to do. Was that easy for him? Not at all, right? Not at all. But, you know, his eyes were so focused on the cross, right? And I'm going to talk about it more later, but being full of courage helps us to stay on track. It helps us to get over those obstacles in our lives, helps us to stay on track when we hit those speed bumps. And the other thing that when it happens supernaturally is it increases our platform of where our courage already is, right? Where our faith level already is. When we move in a supernatural courage, it brings our faith level from here all the way up to here, right? So when we're thinking about praying for, for people that are sick, um, you know, you see somebody get healed. Maybe that was hard to pray for that person at the time, but once you see them get healed, guess what? Your courage level goes from here, like, I'm going to pray for you because I know that's the right thing I should do because I'm a Christian. But once you see them get healed, all of a sudden, your courage level goes from here to like, I can't wait to pray for that next person again, right? And so it's like you're praying for somebody that has a tumor. They get healed of that tumor. The next tumor better watch out because I'm coming, right? So there's a new platform as you start to step out and being courageous. And for Amy and I, it's like, well, we have three kids already. We're doing pretty good. Why not have a fourth one, right? We're being courageous, right? We're being, our faith is up here. And why stop at four? No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm just, I, I'm just saying, you know, that's a joke. We're going to be happy with four, four kids. Um, yeah, but, you know, your, your platform goes from here to up here, okay? So as you step out, right, it increases. Daniel 3. Another amazing story. If you were involved in um, Sunday school, you probably know the story really well. But it's about Meshad, Meshach, Abednego. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, shake the bed, make the bed, all that good stuff, right? You can tell I never went to Sunday school as a kid. Uh, but anyways, so if you haven't heard the story, we're going to run through it anyways. It's, and it's in um, chapter 3, Daniel, and verses, I think it starts at 19 anyways. Um, but basically, the king comes up with this law that he creates this gold idol, right? And he tells everybody, you got to bow down, worship this gold idol, right? And so there's these people that come in and tells the king, well, these Jews aren't doing that, okay? These Jews here, they're not bowing down and worshiping this gold idol that you've, that you've made. And so the king obviously gets very angry, tells them to, like, bring them in to me, let me talk to them. And I think it's in verse 16 through 18 here. It says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego reply, O king, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. This is where it gets really good. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods, or worship the gold statue that you've set up. So many times we base the goodness of God as if God comes through how we expect him to come through, 
right? I absolutely love that verse. They're like, even if God doesn't save us how we want it to happen, he's still good. And we're not going to bow down and worship that. And like, their lives are on the line, right? People, I'm sure, know about this furnace. It's not just like, oh, there's maybe some furnace in the back room there that is a scare tactic, right? This is real life stuff. And they're like, God, he's going to save us. And even if it doesn't happen the way I expect it to happen, I am not going to bow down and worship this idol. And these guys are saying it to the king. And this guy, I'm sure, was a pretty scary person. And so anyways, after they say that, the king's face gets distorted with anger. So it builds this image of just how mad he was, right? And he orders the soldiers to make the furnace seven times hotter than it already is. Not, one, not two times hotter, and just not double. It's seven times hotter than it already is, okay? So if you've been by a campfire before, especially one that I've made, um, you have to tend to get really close because I tend to use wet wood all the time. and doesn't get that hot. But, you know, you know how hot a campfire gets, right? You get your hands too close, man, it hurts, Okay? And he's ordering this furnace to go seven times hotter. So he orders these, the big guys, the big soldiers to come in and tie up these three guys, throw them into the furnace, right? So these big soldier guys come in, tie them up, throw them into the furnace. And what happens to the soldiers as they're throwing the guys in? They get burned up from the furnace because it's so hot. The furnace is so hot that it's burning the guys before they can even get them into the furnace. That's got to be extremely hot in order for that to happen, right? And so the three guys are thrown into the furnace, right? The king gets up. He's just like, oh, my goodness. Like, all of a sudden, they see a fourth person in the furnace. They're like, well, didn't we just, we just threw three of the guys in there, and the one looks like a god. And so he orders the furnace to be ripped open. They open it up. The guys come out, and they don't smell their clothes are totally fine. Their skin's totally fine. Nothing about them has any resemblance of anything besides being 100% of how they were. And again, campfire. You sit even within like a 10-foot radius of a campfire. Guess what? Your clothes are going in the laundry. You're going to have to have a nice shower because you smell like smoke, right? And so these guys supernaturally, again, courageous spirits, where no matter what, God is good. All the time, it's right. So one of our greatest motivators for courage is love, right? These guys could step in this courageous spirit. Why? Because of the love that they had in their hearts, right? They love God more than their own life, okay? Jesus on the cross. Perfect example of the ultimate sacrifice, right? And it's because of his love for us. Willing to do that. Because his love casts out all fear, right? So a few points that we're going to end on here before we, before we pray is, again, one of the biggest things I, I want you to walk away with today is that when you walk out, I've already said this, but when you walk in that courageous spirit, it raises up the courage in other people. That was a game changer for me, right? Because I constantly think about myself all the time. But when I step out and do something, right, walk in that courageous spirit, it unlocks that courage in somebody else. 
Courageous, courageous spirit changes the atmosphere. You know, again, that domino effect, right? When you're courageous, you're going to change the atmosphere wherever you go. And don't we want that? When you walk into your work, when you walk into your school, when you walk into your neighborhood, don't you want to change the atmosphere, right? And again, being courageous doesn't mean we don't have fear. Again, we want to break off that lie this morning that just because you're afraid doesn't mean you're not courageous, all right? Being courageous is finding the courage to push past those fear and press forward. And the, the other thing, too, is don't compare your courage to other people. I'm good at comparing. Is anybody else good at comparing? No, just me. Okay. I'm going to be quiet. No, I know. Um, but honestly, it's just like Amy comparing her cooking to my cooking. It's just like, Amy, you can't compare your cooking to mine because, like, real, literally, like, my cooking's up here. No. It's the other way around, which is why I can joke about it. My idea of cooking is a quick side story. Is like when we were dating, I thought I'd be really creative, and I ripped off a piece of lettuce, romaine lettuce. You know how nice and long those lettuce leaves are, right? And I just like, oh, I'll just I'll make her a salad. So I ripped off the long lettuce leaf, and I poured uh, some ranch dressing sauce over it and served it to her that way. And I was like, that's been really creative. You know, this is like transforming salad, and I'm doing it. You know, and she laughed, and she was super nice because she loved me, obviously. She didn't say anything bad that time. And once we got married, she brought that up, and I was like, oh, yeah, I guess that was maybe a bit weird. But to my avail, though, we like watching cooking shows every now and again, and I saw one of the chefs doing on a cooking show, and I was just like, Amy, is just before my time, you know? So, but yeah, so you don't want to compare your courage to other people, um, Mark 12, 41, it's a story of the widow and Jesus sitting by the, the donation box. And there's so many people giving their offerings, right? A lot of rich people there doing a large amounts in their offering. Then all of a sudden the widow comes and she just drops in a couple of small coins. And Jesus pulls his disciples in. They're like, this woman here is given more than anybody else here, right? These people have just given a little bit of what they owe, but she's given her everything, right? Those couple of coins is what she was going to live off of. And she's given it. And I was just like, dang, that's so good. You know, trusting God that much that, God, I am going to give you everything. And even, like, thinking of things in our own life too, right? Maybe lifting up your hands in worship took all the courage in the world to do that for the first time, right? Or to do it when you're at home or in amongst people is to lift up your hands during worship and maybe that took all the courage in the world, but the person, you know, a couple rows over is just like dancing around, waving their arms, just going for it. And it's easy to compare yourself to that, right? Or praying out, praying out loud uh, when you're in a group of people. First time I, when I first became a Christian, I was terrified to pray out loud because I'm like, oh man, their prayers sound so amazing. And, and what do I have to say? Like, I don't have those beautiful words, right? But God had to do so much work in my heart. And he's like, Adam, I just want to hear your voice. You know, and don't compare yourself to other people, right? He wants to see me take those steps of courage and just start praying. So again, do not compare your courage to other people and be courageous this morning. Uh, my last little story is, because um, I like talking a lot about my own struggles, okay? I have a lot of them with courage. And 
we were in Blackpool. Amy and I were in Blackpool. We were leading a team, Blackpool, England. And Blackpool is kind of known as the Las Vegas from the States. That's like what it is in, in England anyways. And so we were doing, we were partnering with a church, and we were supposed to do a two-day street mission, you know, pray for people, all that kind of stuff. My favorite stuff, right? And I'm like, yes, God, we're going to do this. It's going to be good. And first day we go out on the streets, we have like, what, it's like 12 people with us, 12 students with us or something like that. And we're out on the streets, and everybody just had a really bad day. We got heckled. I'm a shy person. I'm like, somebody starts talking back to me. I'm like, uh. Thankfully, it didn't happen to me, but I know it's happening to other people, right? But we all came back just deflated, just like we never want to do this again, right? But knowing Amy as a leader, like, we have to do this tomorrow again. And when you're the leader of an army, you got to raise them up, Right? If you've ever seen those like stories like in those movies where the army guy comes up and be like, you know, what's his name? Um, Braveheart guy, William Wallace guy, or um, Russell Crowe, you know, they just give these amazing speeches, right? And I was just like, God? So Amy and I, we, we prayed. You know, we're like, we're just, we're done. Like, we don't know what to do. And so we prayed and prayed and prayed. And so we got our team together. Uh, that night, morning of, and we just pressed in. We just pressed in for more of God. And we're like, God, again, we're just coming to you, being totally real. We're struggling right now, God, but you just, we just need more of you, right? And that second day was absolutely incredible. Yeah, there was this one girl on the team. She made up a sign that said, free hugs. And the papa bear in me is just like, no, don't do that. We can't do free hugs on the streets for people you don't know. And like, because we're leaders in a school, right? So we have to go by the rules of the school and keep everything safe and organized and everything like that. And so when, when I saw it particularly anyways, I was just like, no way. I got to shut this down right now. And like, but we started watching the people's reaction as they started to give out free hugs. So it started with her and she would give out a free hug and you see the smile from the people on the streets, right? And all of a sudden, more of the students started doing that too. Like, the guys and the girls, they all started coming together and just like, you know, we're just doing free hugs. And they started hugging people on the street. And I actually still remember this one guy, uh, just the smile that was on his face. And that's all it was, right? But sometimes it's all we need is just that little bit of courage. And as a leader, I was just like, sometimes you just got to take your foot off the gas pedal and and let it happen, I guess, and so to speak. But... Um, but pressing in, though, was, was absolutely incredible. So I'm going to invite you guys to stand up this morning. And we're just going to pray. And I'm going to bring Jenny up here, too. Um, so I just wanted to do just a little bit of prayer here, and then I'm going to pass it over to Jenny. Uh, but Father, I just thank you for every single person here this morning. I thank you for everyone's just courageous spirit in this room. And so right now, I just invite you just to open up your arms to him. And I just want, just want to give the Holy Spirit an opportunity just to download that new platform today. To download a new platform today. I feel like God was saying there's a new platform being released this morning. So right now, by you just prophetically open up your hands as a way of just receiving that new platform this morning. So Father, we just speak to everyone's hearts and their souls this morning, Father. And I just break off all shame in this room, Father, where we've maybe felt like we didn't do enough. You know, we break off those lies this morning that I wasn't enough, I was too fearful. 
And I just want to speak over that you are loved more than you will ever know. It's not about what you've done. 